So, you may have heard Taylor Swift released a new album. Some people are calling it folk, some people are calling it indie, but can a pop star really release an indie album? We've got some questions. It's Thursday, it's July 30th, this is The Current Music News. I'm Jade. And I'm Jay. Last week, Taylor Swift surprised us with her eighth studio album. The album is called Folklore, and its existence surprised even some of the artists who played on it. We'll talk about that in a minute. It was immediately labeled Swift's indie album, or folk album, as Jade said, even though it's not technically an indie album. It was released by Republic, which is part of Universal Music Group. And so, yeah, it's indie sounding. It's the most uh, huge sonic departure that Taylor Swift has probably ever made. And how'd she do that? She pulled in some indie artists to help give her that cred, like Aaron Dessner, who's from The National, and uh, he's part of Big Red Machine. Well, he pulled in his indie buddies, like his brother, Bryce Dessner, and Justin Vernon of Bon Iver, who's featured on the track Exile. Of course, Jack Antonoff is just like over the over her shoulder. He's helping out with a couple of songs as well, so it still has a little bit of that pop vibe. Uh, but as Taylor said, you know, he's kind of part of the family now. So I guess you could say probably the most indie thing about this is actually the way it was made. So let's turn back the clock to March. The United States goes into coronavirus lockdown. Venues close, studios close. Major artists have to scramble to figure out what their next step is because they are postponing major tours. They have crew to pay. But independent artists like Minneapolis rapper Nerdy are able to just hop on their laptops and start making music right away. In a recent interview with The Current's Andrea Swenson, Nerdy talked about making his EP appropriately called Trapped in My Room. I recorded it all in my bedroom, in my uh, apartment bedroom. It was very uh, hilariously set up with my old microphone and just a bunch of time to write and think and create. So it was really cool. I liked it. It's available now on all platforms. <laughs> yeah. One of the first big pop stars to do this exact same thing, you know, hop on the computer in her bedroom, that would be Charlie XCX. So on April 6th, she hopped on her Zoom, Zoom conference with all of her fans and said that she wanted to make a new album in quarantine and she wanted to bring all the fans along for the ride. The idea of the album is that it's going to be very DIY. It's going to be very indicative of the times that we're in. I'm gonna basically be making it live from scratch. There are like a couple of ideas in, in the works, but it's basically I'm starting from nothing. And I'm only really gonna be using the tools that I have at my fingertips, um, the people who I can reach online, the things that I have in my house to create my music, to create my artwork, to create my videos, to create everything. So the album, How I'm Feeling Now, was released 39 days later, which is pretty quick for, you know, uh, an album made entirely. And it's already shortlisted for the Mercury Prize. That's a pretty huge deal for a quarantine project. Meanwhile, Taylor Swift was making her own plans. In late April, she reached out to Aaron Dessner and the two started working closely together, sending tracks back and forth remotely. Now, if you listen to The Current or watch The Current Music News or listen to this podcast, 
you probably know who Aaron Dessner is. Uh, in fact, I just interviewed Nabil Ayers, who's the US head of the label 4AD, which is the Nationals Independent Record Label. And Jade just interviewed Aaron Dessner himself about his collaboration with Michael Stipe, having no idea, right, Jade, what he other project he had in the works. Okay, can I tell you that I'm a little upset that I didn't get a scoop on this? Because we were talking uh, uh, about his project with Michael Stipe of R.E.M. But at the end, I was asking him, you know, if he's been listening to anything lately, you know, what's he been up to? And he said he's been too busy working to be able to even listen to anything. And he didn't tell me about Taylor Swift, and now I'm angry. But he said he couldn't even tell his daughter. And uh, that is actually something that was tough because his daughter's a huge Taylor Swift fan. So uh, yeah, it's something that everyone kind of kept bottled up, but that's how people are working and collaborating these days is by, uh, you know, a producer or, you know, Aaron Dessner is kind of known for that orchestrated, beautiful sonic sound. So he had a couple of songs that he had already kind of been working with and sent those to Taylor. And he said pretty much immediately, she sent a full song. He expected it would take a little while and it was just instantaneous and it all rolled together really quickly. So to finish the tracks, Aaron Dessner pulled in some of his regular collaborators, including JT Bates, a drummer based here in the Twin Cities. And that project was so secret, of course Dessner couldn't even tell JT Bates who he was drumming for. After the album came out, JT Bates told our colleague Jill Riley about the experience. You know, I've worked with Aaron for the last couple of years, Big Red Machine, uh, Lone Bellow, um, uh, various other sessions he's been hiring me for. Uh, and I've uh, done a few things for him since COVID began. We've been, you know, we're always texting and talking and he's always, he's a very inspiringly creative person who just is really constantly making things. And it's, it's pretty, pretty incredible. And so he contacted me at some point and was like, Hey, got this special fun little project going on here. Can you record some drums on a few songs for me? Cause obviously we're all, recording remotely at this point so um yeah you know there was it was very hush hush the whole thing obviously not not really letting out any information as to who this person was or anything like that and so yeah so then you know you do these things and you send them off and you don't really know what it's going to end up being or what it's going to be like and then sometimes i guess apparently it's a taylor swift record so <laughs> so was there some kind of code word like operation blah, blah, blah. I mean, did you even know that it was a Taylor Swift song when you started recording? No, I didn't. So it you just, what did you get? You got like a music track? Yeah. Okay. You know, I mean, that, that's how they set it up. It's, a, you know, I mean, obviously there's with the, yeah, whatever, there's a lot of reasons that that, that, that would be set up that way. I don't need to go into that. But anyways, how, yeah. yeah. So he just said, I can't, you know, I can't really tell you who this is. And, and, uh, but, you know, I know, I know Aaron pretty well. He's become a close musical brother in a lot of ways in, in the last few years. So I just, I, I know when he sends me things, I learned his aesthetic and not that I always know what he's going to do, but just that I, I know I can give him some things that he's going to, you know, I, I know which kind of things that I do that he likes. So then you just, you know, like, yeah, it's, and I mean, there's a lot of this going on. It's like you, you know, someone sends you a song and normally we'd be hanging out in a studio talking and, and maybe I'd even be listening to the the artist sing the song while I'm, you know, maybe not a finished vocal, but like something's there, you know, when you're at the studio, usually there's something to play to or something like that. So it was a really, di really different experience, but uh, really fun. And then, yeah, and then he 
contacted me the, very early in the morning on Thursday and was like, buddy, it's uh, Taylor Swift. And I was like, I can't, I can't. <laughs> you know, it's <I> like, <laughs> my 15 year old and my wife were both, you know, aware that I'd done this something for Aaron, for somebody that's, you know, we're not allowed to know who this person is, whatever. And, and, uh, and they were like, oh my gosh, what if it's Taylor Swift? Wouldn't that be so cool? And they were right. <laughs> that's Pretty great. Crazy. Yeah. So what do you think, Jade? Is this it? Is this the new normal? Are all artists indie artists now? Uh, this is so tough for me, Jay, because there are some actual indie albums that came out, you know, like college radio sort of albums that I think are uh, equ equally, if not better quality. You know, Phoebe Bridgers released an indie album that is sort of sonically similar, Waxahachie. Um, and those are artists that I still want to claim. It's really tough for me to claim that a pop star, you know, somebody with such a huge following can have an indie album. But I guess if this is, you know, maybe if you make it in your bedroom, but I don't know. What do you, what do you think? Well, I think in terms of precedent, sure, major artists have always taken departures and done different things when they feel like it. Like I think of Bruce Springsteen making Nebraska literally in his bedroom that he thought that was going to be a demo, but it got put out as the full album because they decided it's not going to get better than this. Um, and then he turned around and made Born in the USA, which is a traditional huge band studio album, hit after hit after hit. So artists have always kind of taken these left turns, but over the past several years, things have been shifting where people are wondering, do labels still need to exist? Artists can do so much independently. And even if you are a major artist like Taylor Swift, she has certainly had her share of frustrations with the traditional record industry. And you need to start acting more like an indie artist because you can, and you have to keep up with your peers. So if you're, say, Taylor Swift, the world goes into coronavirus lockdown, you know darn well that Billie Eilish is just going to keep cooking away on her next album. So if you want to stay in the game, you're going to have to be flexible and put things together, you know, as you can. And the result is folklore. Well, you can let us know what you think. Do you think indie is here to stay? Is everything indie from here on out? Uh, you can let us know in the comments below. And Jay and I will keep battling it out. Well, that's the current music news for today. We will be back next Tuesday on Instagram Live at 2 p.m. Central Time. So find us at The Current's Instagram to talk about whatever's going on next Tuesday in the music world. I'm guessing still pandemic. Maybe another surprise album. Who knows? But find us there next Tuesday at 2 p.m. So we're going to leave you with a, a clip from a video from another Minnesota MC. This is MC Longshot, who put out another one of these quarantine albums. Although this one uh, is slightly different because it's not about, you know, coronavirus and the pandemic. This is actually uh, an album that was centered on the killing of George Floyd and what was happening in Minnesota and specifically in Minneapolis in uh, the fallout of that event. And uh, so MC Longshot said um, this EP of his, I'm saying, was his way of sort of processing that tough news. And he said, it's hard, but it's needed. It's a part of the healing process. Damn, here we go again. I heard to kill somebody else. This time I assisted it in. This is public lynching, no matter how you view it, and you view it every day. So tell me what you do. They say freedom ain't free, but how about you, Lord? A price and peace. Stop killing these black kids tonight, I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. They say freedom ain't free, but how about you, Lord? A price and peace. Stop killing these black kids tonight, I'm saying.
That's all I'm saying That another black death For no other reason than I had black skin Living in this white world Sending prayers up to God Hope we get it right world That another black home For no 